Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends and family of Grace Design United Methodist Church. It is good to be with you and worship on this beautiful weekend. As we gather together, I just want to remind you all um, to stay in touch with us at the church. Let us know if there's any way that um, we could be ministering to you or connecting with you better. Um, and please join us every Thursday night at 5.30 p.m. for our prayer call where we get all to get together on the phone to pray for our church um, and our community together. Please remember that we have finished our first and second Peter summer Bible study, so we will resume um, in the fall our ongoing study of Genesis. And please reach out to let me know if you'd be interested in studying the book of Genesis with us so that we can pick a time that works best for everyone. Without further ado, I invite you to lift up your hearts as we turn to the Lord and join together in our call to worship. God of the open road, God of the twisting path, God of the narrow and upward way, your people are gathered for worship. In this hour, give us provision for the journey, courage and faith and compassion and endurance to face any hardship. Open our eyes to see you walking beside us, protecting us, encouraging us, loving us. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, your name is glorious and wonderful. Everyone on earth and heaven sing about your wondrous works. You are the king of all, and we worship you, our Lord. We gather in your presence, in the unity of our faith, to ask that you bless us. Without your power and grace, we can do nothing. We pray that your glory continues to fill and radiate within our lives so that we can be your ambassadors to the world. Let none of us leave here today empty-handed. Go with us into the world as we serve you. Amen. To lead our hearts in praise today, we will be listening to uh, Matt Redmond's song, 10,000 Reasons, also called Bless the Lord. Um, and we'll be reading Psalm 103, um, which begins, Bless the Lord, O my soul. So I invite you to lift up your heart before the Lord, um, turn to him in praise as we bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 
As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant, and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. May we bless the Lord today in our worship. May our souls rejoice. I ask that you now would um, turn your hearts with me in prayer towards the Lord um, as we lift up our community and the world. Um, please continue to be in prayer for um, Linda George, who went returned to the hospital this past week um, due to complications from her previous surgery. Please also be in prayer for um, Brenda Davis as she has upcoming decisions to make as she um, continues treatment um, for her eyes. We ask that you would continue to lift up um, Michael's godson in prayer as we um, pray a hedge of protection around him while he is um, lost in New York City, that he would find his way back and be guided by the Spirit. Um, we give the Lord thanks and praise today for um, good news that has uh, made its way to our congregation this week. Um, we give thanks that uh, Elizabeth is doing well over at Roman Eagle. We also give um, thanks for the Coleman family who was able to go to Chesapeake um, to see their family and for um, little Nora who has um, returned with them this week. Um, for all of you families who are, are traveling um, to be with one another and support each other um, through complications right now as, as work and everything is different, um, we give praise that, that we can do that and um, we pray for continued safe travel and continue um, blessings in your journeys. Um, I know that there are many others in this community that um, have praises and prayer requests before the Lord. Um, so I invite you to continue sharing those um, either by, by email or by phone. And a great way to do that is to join us in prayer every Thursday night. Um, but for now, I ask that you would turn your hearts with me in prayer as we pray together for this church in the community. Almighty and everlasting God, we give you praise today for your continued presence in our lives, your continued light in the midst of darkness, and your continued peace in the midst of the storm. We thank you that you have never abandoned us, but that day by day you walk with us. It is your living water which gives us life, your grace in which we are rooted, and your light which causes us to grow upward to you. 
We ask your forgiveness for where we have failed in our pursuit of your goodness and ask that you would give us the strength to try anew each morning. We pray that where we have wronged or hurt others, you would give us ways to make amends so that we might be part of your peace on earth. In the pursuit of your kingdom of peace, we pray for our nation that your spirit would rush like a mighty wind through the many branches of our people, stirring us for your righteousness. We pray we would be rooted in you, the vine who bears good fruit. We pray for leaders like Solomon who are not afraid to pursue truth, but who do so with wisdom. We pray also for peace right here in your church that we may be united in the spirit even where we are divided over earthly matters. We pray we, your church, would not be distracted by these worldly issues, but would instead focus on you and your gospel work. We pray for each one of our brothers and sisters whom we have named today either out loud or in the quiet of our hearts. That you would bless and keep them as they pursue a godly life. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts. Chapter 18, verse 24, through chapter 19, verse 7. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. Our second scripture this morning comes from the letter of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Rooted in Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit, we grow. In today's Acts reading from the end of chapter 18 to the beginning of chapter 19, we read two stories about repenting Christians who continue to learn and grow in their faith. The first story involves Apollos, whom the Bible describes as a teacher instructed in the Lord with a handle on scriptures, who already is fervent in the spirit, even though he only knows the baptism of John. 
The second story involves the church in Ephesus where Gentiles have heard the message preached by John the Baptist about Jesus Christ, repented, and have come to believe. Both our groups know about God and more so they know the gospel message about salvation through Jesus Christ. They have been prepared by the message of John the Baptist about repentance. They know their sin and they know all the truths in their head. Apollos is even fervent in the spirit already. Yet all these Christians have room to grow and learn. Apollos needs to learn nuance to his faith, exactly what we are not told. In Ephesus, though the people are faithful, they are missing a big element, which is the Holy Spirit, who enables our personal relationship with the Trinity. They know the gospel truth, but they have not yet learned a relationship with Jesus Christ. What we have here are two stories about Christians who are already rooted in Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit, who continue to grow. What is remarkable is that while the Bible records both Apollos and the community of Ephesus growing in their faith, the Bible doesn't give us a clear picture of who they are before and after the growth in their faith, like we have with converts such as Paul. The only noticeable change in any of the Christians that the Bible bothers to document is that the church in Ephesus begins speaking in tongues and prophesying, which are both gifts of the Spirit. The Bible could have chosen to record exactly what was taught to the peoples and how it changed them. For instance, in verse 26, when Apollos enters the house of Priscilla and Aquila to learn, the details of their conversation are not recorded. The Bible isn't concerned with exactly what is taught. Instead, what is important in the records of these two biblical stories is that Christians are helping one another to grow. Christians are growing willingly from knowledge about Jesus to relationship with the Holy Spirit. The transition they are making is a profound one. John the Baptist was a powerful witness to Christ and his prophetic preparation made a way in a spiritual wilderness. He baptized people as they repented of their sins, but even he gladly shared that there was a truth in a relationship with God beyond his own message. John preaches truth about salvation and the need for repentance in order that people would turn to the Lord. This baptism of repentance is the first step in a journey of faith, which then leads Christians to baptism in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the outpouring of that Spirit upon the people. In the previous baptism of repentance, the temple of the body was prepared. In this baptism, the Spirit of the Lord becomes one with the believer. This is an astounding growth in faith. This is the difference between knowing your sin and feeling guilty, and knowing you are forgiven and feeling loved. This is the difference between wanting to do the right thing and being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to act rightly. There is no shame or ridicule in growing as a Christian. Priscilla, Aquila, and Paul all support Christians, the Christians that they are teaching, and encourage them to use their new growth to serve the kingdom. Apollos is sent with enthusiasm by his church to the church in Achaia. Those in Ephesus whom Paul laid hands on began to exhibit some of the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm sure they used their prophecy and gifts of tongue to witness. The community loves, supports, and uplifts other Christians as they grow in their faith and continue to use their strength and faith for the service of the kingdom. 
So I will say it again. There is no shame in growing as a Christian. In fact, it is the opposite. We should be growing for the rest of our lives, and we should be celebrating when we are corrected or pushed in our faith to grow. It's easy to say because when we talk about growth, we think of it in a positive light. But the reality is that growth is another word for change. And we all know that we don't like change. Growth in our faith requires being willing to change parts of our behavior, belief, or self to better reflect Christ. Apollos had to humble himself and admit that though he was competent in the scriptures, Aquila and Priscilla spoke with knowledge about a personal relationship with God that he simply did not have yet. Though the believers in Ephesus also had such faith that they were called disciples, they too had to change their ideas about baptism and salvation in order to receive the depth of relationship with Jesus, which is only attainable through accepting the Holy Spirit. Apollos and the twelve disciples in Ephesus grew immensely, but growth requires change. We must admit that we do not know it all if we are to grow and mature in Christian behavior. Admitting that we need to change parts of our relationship with God or our previous thoughts about the faith doesn't make our faith any less valuable or real. Apollos genuinely loves God, and it is in fact out of love of God that he is willing to learn, change, and grow. When the believers of Ephesus accept the teaching of the gospel given by Paul, they don't invalidate their faith under the baptism of John. Rather, in hearing the salvation gospel of grace and power in the Holy Spirit, they are building upon the faith they gained through repentance. Admitting we need to grow only confirms that we have, have already been walking by grace in the life of faith. In the case of the scriptures of Acts, we are talking about a change from the baptism of repentance to a baptism in the Trinity. We already know the Holy Spirit and the baptism of Jesus, but church, we too still have growth to do. We will need to grow in the faith until the day we die. Getting stuck in a spiritual rut is fatal. Christ says in the Gospel of John, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. When we are baptized in the water and the Spirit resides within us, the Spirit of Christ does not just stay within us. We are meant to be founts, sources of living water. Sources of the Spirit of Christ so that others may drink and grow as well. Imagine if Apollos had decided he already knew enough about Jesus and he was too proud to let Aquila and Priscilla teach him. He would have quenched the work of the Spirit within him, putting a lid upon the living waters. He would have stopped their flowing and Apollos' witness to the church in Achia would never have occurred. Imagine if the disciples in Ephesus had decided they were okay with their repentance and they didn't need to receive any other gospel from Paul. They never would have encountered the Holy Spirit or had a relationship with the Spirit of the living God. They never would have even become sources of living water in the first place. It is the flow of the river which keeps it fresh and full of life. 
In the same way, it is our constant growth which keeps our fount of living water bubbling up within us. Of course, it is easy to want to grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord, but there is a very practical question. How? How do we grow? Christians are called in relationships in three directions, a sort of triangle, if you will. We have an upward relationship with God, an inward relationship with one another, and an outward relationship with the world. Up, in, and out. We tend to be good at two, but lacking in the third, in any sort of combination, because frankly, those are a lot of relationships to focus on. Yet this kind of triangle is a helpful way to evaluate where the Spirit may be calling us to grow. We can grow in each of these three directions. Grow towards God, grow towards one another, and grow towards the world outside the church. When I first arrived here three years ago, it was clear to me that this community was gifted at growing in love for one another. Your relationships within the community were clear and full of love. It was also clear to me that this community had a passion for growing towards God. The ratio between those in attendance at worship and those participating in some sort of small group study of the Bible was incredible, and it showed me a deep commitment that you all had to growing in your faith together, upwards toward God. Yet recently, as we focus on surviving as a community, attention is being turned inward. And I wonder if the Lord isn't calling us to re-examine our priorities and to once more be willing to grow. To grow in our commitment not just to one another and the survival of this community. I wonder if the Lord is calling us to grow in our closeness to him and to grow in our relationship to the community outside of the church. We too have a fount of living water welling up within us, but without growth we too will become stagnant. As we turn inward to worry about the survival of our own community, I wonder if the world will still find living water if they come to our fount. Has our inward turning caused us to grow dry? Are you still an overflowing source of living water? If not, You may need to grow. And there is no shame in needing to grow. In fact, it is the opposite. Remember, we ought to celebrate when we are presented with an opportunity to grow. To grow deeper in our relationship with God, deeper in our relationships with one another, and deeper in our relationship of ministry to the world. So today, I ask you to consider where is God calling you to grow? Have you lapsed in your commitment to grow upwards to God as you have focused on your attention inward on surviving? Have you struggled to reach out to your neighbors in love and show them that the church and God care about the world even if they are not sitting in our pews? Maybe you're struggling to stay connected with one another. Grow up toward God. Grow inward in love of one another and grow outward in love of the world like Christ. And let the living water of Christ well up, flow and from you once again, giving life to you and to all those around you. Church, when we are willing to grow, 
willing to admit that there is still more to learn. A whole life of leaning into God opens up. When we are willing to grow, the Spirit uses the church in a powerful way. The gospel spreads. We do all of this rooted in Christ. From him, the living water enters us and flows into the world. Rooted in Christ and watered by the living water, we are unmovable in our faith, and yet always growing toward God, towards one another, and towards the world. Today, church, Take a deep breath and feel how deep your roots stretch into the living Lord. And then grow. Amen. Church growing in our relationship with God often means identifying in our life places where we have failed, where we have gone astray, or where we have refused to allow God to push us outside of our comfort zone. So I ask you to join me now in prayer as we confess our sin before God and one another. We'll pray this prayer together, and then I'll give you a moment of silence to add your own petitions before the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Dear Heavenly Heavenly Father, Father, we lower our heads before you, and we confess that we have too often forgotten that we are yours. Sometimes we carry on our lives as if there was no God, and we fall short of being a credible witness to you. For these things we ask your forgiveness, and we also ask for your strength. Give us clear minds and open hearts so we may witness to you in our world. Remind us to be who you would have us to be, regardless of what we are doing or who we are with. Hold us to you by the power of your spirit and build our relationship with Jesus Christ and with those you have given us on earth. Our assurance today comes from the very praises with which we began our service. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. Hear these words of truth. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise be to God. Today we close our service with a note of praise. And um, this time we will um, be reading responsively Psalm 1, um, sort of like a Psalter, if you're familiar with that rhythm. Uh, but we'll, reach, we'll read the first, um, we'll read each verse, there we go, of the psalm, um, one verse at a time. And in between each verse, I invite um, you, the congregation, um, to join with us in the proclaiming of this praise by saying, like a tree that's planted by the water, we shall not be moved. Um, And this is the very first psalm of the book of Psalms, um, a psalm which um, praises the Lord, but also um, talks about the dedication of God's people. And so I invite you to um, go out of worship today on a note of praise, but to also make this praise your commitment to the Lord this week.
Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Like Like a a tree tree that's that's planted planted by by the water, water, we shall not be moved. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Like Like a tree tree that's that's planted planted by by the water, we we shall shall not be moved. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Like Like a tree that's planted by the water, we shall not be moved. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Like a tree that's planted by the water, we shall not be moved. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Like a tree that's planted by the water, we shall not be moved. Praise be to God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, go into the world this week knowing that God has planted you in the river of living water. Let that water flow up within you. Let it spill out to the world that all may come to know the life of Jesus Christ through you. Be open to the Holy Spirit this week. Let God speak to you. Let God change you, even where it is difficult, so that you may be a tree tree which is always growing, always yielding fruit in its season, always prospering, in the work of the kingdom. And now, with the peace of the Lord, go into the world. May the peace of God be with you. Amen.